It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb, Eric, and Sean. Listen in as they discuss the 1997 and 2002 versions of Insomnia. Insomnia, Eric, you picked this one. What inspired that? It was two things. Uh, well, the last conversation that we did as a triad. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, vanishing? The Vanishing? Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the killer in The Vanishing, and it reminded me of uh, Robin Williams and One Hour Photo. And then, in the back of my mind, at the same time, it then reminded me of this movie. Uh, well, not this movie. The Nolan version. <laughs> And then, and this was all while we were talking last time, like this is all going on in my head. And then it made me think of insomnia um, and it started making me think of some similarities between it and, and uh, The Vanishing and how I had always intended to watch the European version of insomnia and I knew it was on the Criterion streaming service. So then that's why I brought it up later um, after the recording. Maybe we should do that. Like, keep the theme going or something that's basically where it all came from yeah and so you're you're quite familiar with the nolan version prior to seeing this one well i was back around when it came out on the blu-ray originally um but once i started watching it again because we watched both apparently all of us did um (laughs) and when i was watching it recently the nolan version I realized, wow, I have forgotten so much about this movie, like the details and things. And so I can only guesstimate it's been maybe 10-ish years since I watched the movie in full. So I had forgotten a lot of it uh, until recently. And if I had only been pulling from my memories and not watched it fresh, um, this conversation would probably be a lot different uh, because I was reminded of many things. So not one that you go back to too often. Interesting. For you, Sean, had you seen either of these movies prior to this? No. I saw part of the Nolan version on TV, like in a hotel or something. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Robin Williams is a serial killer. Not technically, but... And I just, you know, I'll go back to it later, I guess. But I, I didn't watch the rest of it. And I was intrigued uh, to watch uh, the uh, 97 uh, version. I was intrigued to watch the 97 version. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the actor's name. The uh, Is it Swedish or is it... Did He's it, uh, Swedish. Okay, all right. Um, but I was pleased to see Stella Skarsgård is in it because who doesn't like Stella Skarsgård and his brood? 
fine, you know, family of actors. Oh wait, what was the name you were, what was the name you didn't want to pronounce? Director. Director. Oh, I'm not sure where he. I'll just verify. I thought you were talking about Skarsgård. It's Eric. That's terrible. Yeah, I won't even try. I don't want to embarrass myself like that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, guys, I uh, I really hate to admit this. I like the remake better. Oh, oh wow. my god! Sean comes out right at the top with that. Yeah, I did not like this movie. You know what? There's a problem though because there was there was a there was a slight bias because I watched it. I was very very tired. And I almost fell asleep. And the fact that it's called insomnia and this guy's trying to fall asleep, part of it is not as bad. You know, I, I just, there was something else about it that really bothered me. And that is, um, there's this movie, uh, Sidney Lumet's Murder on the Orient Express uh, from 1974, I think. One of the things, you know, I like that movie just fine. But one of the things I hate about it, it is so bright. I mean, this is supposed to be, like a murder mystery and everything is bright in that movie except for at nighttime near the beginning of the of the movie and i know that's the point i mean everything that's everything that's uh 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 you know that everything that's either if it's not outside they're in a room with a huge brightly lit window um you know there's no way you can stop the light from bleeding into things i'm like okay i get it this is a visual thing um, because there's lots of directors. Um, that movie we're going to watch, Eric, Red Songum. I believe that that's a movie where they use nothing but red. Red Sorghum. And it has to do... Red Sorghum, yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah. And I, at first, I, when I started watching the, the remake, at first I didn't like Al Pacino. Um, I'm like, I, I can't... I, yeah, like, I, I can't really take this Al Pacino. I, I don't know what's going on, but he, but he, he grew on me. Um, one thing I found very confusing, though, is his sordid past and his motive for wanting to kill his partner. That mm. didn't make any sense. The way that they explained it, when they were sitting at the dinner table in the hotel, I had to watch it twice, and I still didn't quite understand it. It just sounded like it... They explain it better uh, later in the film uh, when he's speaking to uh, um, a million dollar baby. Hillary Swank. Yes. Yeah, when he just starts monologuing and you realize that the movie has no Yeah, they explain more clearly what his motive would have been to kill his partner. And I liked her, too. I liked her wide-eyed Naviette. No, no, how do you you pronounce that? Naivete. Naivete. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I liked her character a lot. And, you know, there is a, a, a parallel character in the original that she really doesn't do anything. Um, so be, like, overbearing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Fun and overbearing. I mean, I, I want to know what you guys thought of it. I mean, to me, it was like I'm going to forget about both of these movies, frankly, in the next year or so. Like, oh, yeah, Insomnia, that's the one with the, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say my kind of thoughts on at least the original right now. But initially, Sean, I had a similar thing where I just couldn't get into it for like maybe... I'm not sure how long it was. Maybe like 40 minutes. I don't know when the murderer shows up. But when he finally gets introduced, that's when the movie kind of finally kicked into gears. And I really enjoyed it from that point on. But yeah, 
at least on my first viewing, I, I found it super kind of dull initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after I watched the Christopher Nolan version, and I went and rewatched half the movie, my thoughts changed a little bit. But I will kind of echo your complaints of... It's not so much that everything's just bright all the time that's the problem. It's just shot kind of poorly. Yeah. It makes me think of uh, Dominion again. <laughs> Maybe just the Stellan Skarsgård connection, but I was really thinking of the way that that movie was filmed where it almost looks like a BBC kind of drama mm-hmm. more than a theatrical film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Wait, which one was Dominion? Yeah, I'll get jumbled in my mind. That was the Paul Schrader... Paul Schrader one, the one that you had to watch on the, the episode because you didn't watch it beforehand. Oh, so it was the, like the, okay, the the last, I guess, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, last or first, yeah, depending on how you look right, at it. Right, right. Okay, I remember. <laughs> I remember. Well, but yeah, Eric, what, you, you, were, you didn't quite give your thoughts on the, the original film there. What, what were your initial impressions of it? Mm, I liked it. Uh, early in, I don't know. I, like I, I hadn't seen the original in a long time. So in a weird way, because the movies are mostly similar than dissimilar, um, it was like I was revisiting the movie again, but again, going through that process of, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's how it started. Oh yeah. And then obviously everything's been switched out. I mean, you know, with the setting and and, and everything like that and the language and everything. Um, But it was fun because I was trying to pick out what the differences were. And I actually had a lot of difficulty because I couldn't remember the original so well. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I made a game out of it. Like, what did the, what is different? What did Nolan change? And and, and it was difficult. Um, I did not. Uh, but I, I enjoyed the movie overall, and it was great. And and then it was weird because uh, obviously this is a Norwegian movie and takes place in Norway. And uh, oh, it's Eric Skjöldberg. I think is how you would say his name. The director. And he's also Norwegian. But anyway, um, because you know I watched a fair amount of Swedish films in the last couple of years. And I, I was I was Googling because I was like, because I wanted to know, because I thought, man, this sounds a lot different than Swedish. Um, but apparently they're very similar languages. Like, you know, if you spoke one, you would, it was described on, on, on Wikipedia, like they're almost like two different dialects, but, you know, with the same roots. But that being said, mm-hmm. um, Swedish sounds a little bit more poetic, angelic, bright, and uh, Norwegian, to, to my untrained ear, sounds kind of gruff and, and, and mean by comparison. Um, yeah, it sounds more German to me. Yeah, so it was it was, was kind of interesting for me because I don't know that I've ever seen or listened to anything in Norwegian before this. But uh, I did not like, like some of the differences well, with the characters, I did not like the goofy police officer who who, act, who incidentally gets shot in the original um he was rather annoying and for some reason <laughs> for some reason it made it hurt more um that his partner was killed well well partly because of the the bungler but i didn't notice this i had to read it later that it was actually more um Skarsgård's partner's fault because I didn't really pick up on this. Like I said, I read this afterward. And apparently, like, his partner was kind of suffering from memory issues um, already in the film. And Skarsgård had said something like, all right, like, you go right. But I guess his partner went left. 
and confusion, and that's what kind of. So at first, I was blaming. Oh really? The go- According to what I read, uh, uh, so I was kind of blaming the goofy guy first for getting shot and causing all the mix up, but apparently, uh, his partner was at fault with his early onset dementia or something. Um, I'm getting a little. Sorry, I'm getting a little confused here. When you say the goofy guy, do you mean Stone Skarsgård? No, I mean the first cop who gets shot in the leg and lives. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, he was the one who bothered me. Um, and then, as already mentioned, uh, the female detective in the original, and she's really cold and overbearing and, and suspicious, and I don't know. It just I I I very much like her character being. Um, switched out with the Hillary uh, Swank version of this uh, young upstart who's look, looking up to him. I thought that was a much more interesting dynamic and and almost made the Nolan version more of a trio of a movie rather than the duo. And, and I kind of like the trio aspect more. Mm-hmm, yeah. That dynamic. Um, but it was still good. But then also the, the big tonal difference is the Skarsgård character um, just being like such a like like fucked up asshole like well no asshole's not the right word he's like like a perverse sadist or something I don't know what he is but he seems like such a more fucked up person internally much more and so much more like despicable and um I almost want him to die, his character to die more in the European version, and I I almost want the Al Pacino version to live, because the Al Pacino (laughs) version is more of an anti-hero, whereas the original, it's like dueling villains in the original, Uh, like two bad guys, like on the same, two different opposite sides of a bad guy coin, which is interesting in its own way, uh, but it's just not as enjoyable. Um, as a film to watch with these two horrible, horrible people battling with each other. Yeah, and when I was watching it, I kept thinking, there is no way that Chris Nolan can tell this story. This, there, He just is not capable of telling a story like this, I don't think. So he's definitely going to change the dynamic. But I, I thought it was a fascinating idea to take someone who is basically as bad as the people he chases... <laughs> I mean, in the case of this particular murder, potentially even worse than the people he chases. Like, his mistake was just a small little fuck-up. He accidentally killed his, his partner. I mean, that that's not necessarily a small little fuck-up, but in terms of his record, I'm sure they would understand the mistake. But in order to cover it up, he just does all these hideous things. He frames that Randy and starts working with the murderer himself and... Oh, yeah, and... Kills that fucking dog. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he kills the dog. And also in the original, it's more the detective's idea to frame the boyfriend uh, and all that. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the Nolan version, it's more Robin Williams who's uh, doing all that plotting. Eric might not get it, but Stella Skarsgård would make a great Columbo murderer. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, he kind of is in this movie, uh, but he doesn't have a Columbo. <laughs> yeah, that you know. Well, the Columbo was, I guess. Uh, the lady detective. Sort of not. Was really. there? I, I, can't, I have an inkling of a story where Columbo had to follow like another detective. Yeah. Who, who was that detective? Uh, it was uh, Richard Kiley, 
They spared no expense. It's it's the one. Yeah, it's the c- police commissioner who kills. Oh, yes, uh, yes. His friend kills his wife, and then he up makes him his friend kill his wife. And but yeah, no, I can see that. Still in Skarsgård. I mean, the guy. I just I love seeing him. So even as if they ever did a reboot, I'd love it if he showed up on there. I'm surprised you guys didn't like it more. The original. Um... Because I mean, I just took the brightness as as we as we has already been said. It was for the effect, you know. Um, <clears throat> so that didn't really take me out of it. And I did almost have that same kind of feeling as what I expressed with the vanishing, which was the vanishing just looked so perfect that it almost took me out of the time period. Um, I had a little bit of that vibe with this one, but it wasn't as much. That this one almost looked a little bit too perfect, um, it, and that had to do with its brightness as well. I suppose. That's kind of the problem that I had with the Nolan version. I mean, it, it only a minor problem. It, it just took a little bit of adjustment. But it was such a polished kind of Hollywood production. I felt it kind of changed the vibe of the movie. Normally, I'd be with, I might be with you and that would be a determinant. But uh, I have other reasons why I, I think it benefits the Nolan version. Oh, what reasons? Well, Nolan reasons. <laughs> Because, because obviously uh, the new version that was his first Hollywood or studio picture, if you will, um, and obviously I'm a big fan of all his work, and I like to think about the progression and everything uh, chronologically of, of his films. Um, and when he gets to his further, like Batman and Beyond, uh, unintended. Um, uh, Nolan, he all his movies, Batman and post Batman, exist in the Nolan verse, like this stylized world, like this I would say surreal world that so mimics our real, world. like almost like the Matrix, like it's so much like the real world, but it's not, and sometimes you can't even really, unless it's I mean it's said out loud, but sometimes you can't even tell what country, um, uh, Nolan movies take place in because they almost. Feel like computer simulate simulations, but with real buildings and real people. Um, and so, part of that look you're talking about, I felt like that was the proto version. That was that because obviously his previous films were just independent, and so Insania was his first of creating the Nolan verse. I'm talking about the um, the atmosphere and, and style of it. So, because it's the first of that. It still feels like it exists more in the real world compared to his other movies. Like, you know, you, you, I guess you could buy This is Alaska, even though I sadly found out it was all filmed in Canada. But um, Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> but but it still feels like it takes... Like, it still feels like a standard movie. But if you're just obsessed with Nolan like I am, you can feel how he's... It's just the beginning of, his, of him forming his a- a- aesthetic. And so... I appreciate it in that way as someone who's just like such a homer for uh, Nolan. Um, so that's why I appreciate uh, those. Homer? Pictures. Yeah, Homer. That's someone who super roots for the home team. Oh, okay. All right. I thought extremely maybe. Extremely biased. Extreme, extremely biased, like a fanboy. I thought maybe you said boner and I just heard Homer, but okay. And then instantly I thought of like. Homer Simpson and Homer the author and uh, never mind where <laughs> right. my mind went. No, I, yeah, I was, I was thinking you were thinking I, was, I meant the author, but no, I meant just like someone who's a fanboy. So I appreciated okay. it that way because it was like the beginning of 
the Nolan aesthetic. And of course, the new Insomnia, I can't think because he has another crazy name. I think he has he's Swedish, but uh, the DP on the Insomnia Nolan movie, that was their first collaboration. And he would be Nolan's uh, DP all the way from Insomnia to uh, in, uh, Inception. So that was another thing, because I was like thinking about his style and, and how it progressed through the movies. And that, that was his first big break as a DP. Um, so I was just, yeah, I, was just, I don't know, I was wrapped in thought <laughs> about all these things. Yeah, and certainly the visual aesthetic of the Nolan version is... I mean, it's there's no real comparison between the two. It's much, much superior. Of course, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that's to be, that's to be expected. And and even that opening shot, that was actually Alaska, the one where the the plane is just going over the, I don't know, mm-hmm. the melting glacier bits or, or whatever. Um, I was like, oh my god, it's Inception! Oh my god, it looks just like it. Uh, it was like a foretelling <laughs> of Inception. Um, but, um, let's say something else about that. Mm. Well, I'll just I'll just say the scene in the fog. I mean, that's the really the standout moment, I think. In the Nolan in the, version, yeah, the Nolan version, yep. Yes, um, and it was even more incredible, um, like watching the special features about it, uh, about the filming of that scene, because you know they did some scouting of the area and decided that's the location, you know, where they want to film that scene. But that cabin did not exist. And it was a very remote area where there's no roads or anything that leads to that point. Um, so they built the entire cabin from the ground up and all the building materials they had to bring in by helicopter. So it took like 60 helicopter trips. Everything had to be brought out there. And it was pretty incredible. And watching the making of them making the fog and, and doing the whole rigmarole, pretty damn impressive. Uh, and it's pretty crazy that he got such carte blanche because he had never done a big movie, you know, before that. And then just to be given the reins and such a budget to go wild for someone who, was, who wasn't who was really t- fully tested yet at that point. Um, it's pretty impressive. Well, I, I'm just I'm just curious since you apparently did some research on the, uh, the Nolan version. Do you know how much influence Al Pacino had on the script? Not the script, not the script, but he did have influence on other things, um, like maybe details about the character and maybe yes. the way certain things about the, his character should be played. Yeah, he did have he did have inputs, and I there was I can't remember what it is now, but there was something that was specifically Pacino's um, idea. I think I'm not sure, but I think it might have been Pacino's idea to add the whole backstory about the okay originally written i believe by Nolan. okay so okay let's back up so somebody at warner brothers had seen the original insomnia uh, i can't think of his name he's a very known producer slash director you would all know him um because oh, someone looked that up but anyway a very known director producer uh <laughs> saw the original insomnia and he, and 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 he and Warner Brothers thought, oh, we should remake this. Like, you know, we should make an American version. And so they were looking for a director. Um, and so eventually they got Nolan. And they said, well, they said, they said, no, you know, Nolan, do you want to do this? Because this, this is what we want to do. 
And so I think Nolan said he hadn't seen the movie yet or something, or maybe he had, but he thought, oh yeah, because he already had his own ideas in his head that he would like to graft onto the original. Anyway, and then so they had a script writer write, uh, write the script for the Warner Brothers version. And it was actually Nolan, though, who wrote the final draft of the script himself. Um, and then Pacino, originally the Pacino character was supposed to be like a detective from Oregon and, and he traveled up to Alaska. But I think it was Pacino who had the idea of how about we make it LA and how about we make it like he's getting away because there's this internal affairs thing going on in LA. I think that might've been Pacino's idea. And then uh, Nolan made that alteration. Yes, that's that is what I assumed. Why did you assume that? Because, because knowing Al Pacino at this point in his career, there was no way that he was going to play a character as gray, not even gray, just flat out like black and dark as the uh, Stellan Skarsgård character. So I figured in order for him to be attached to this, he must have been like, "We're not doing anything close to this. I need to have my hands as clean as possible, and I need to be redeemed by the end." So I. I just knowing that he was attached to that movie, like when I saw the original version, because uh, Insomnia was the last Christopher Nolan film that I hadn't seen yet, and I always kind of put it off, mainly because of Pacino being attached. <laughs> I'll just say. Wow. But yeah, and so when I watched the original, I was like, oh, this. I feel like this is going to be like a super Hollywoodized, like kind of whitewashed version. So I was very hesitant to. Now, uh, do you to feel watch it, now that you've seen it? Do you feel it is that? Yes, I, I absolutely do. I see where you're coming from, but I would disagree. Or I would say there's more to it than just to say it's the Hollywood Hollywoodized version. I'm sorry. I just thought of something really weird um, a couple minutes ago, uh, Eric. When you said that there was some famous Hollywood producer director, you'll know who he is. All I could think of was that Saturday Night Live skit with Jonah Hill and Kirsten Wig with Liza Minnelli turning on a lamp. Let's turn on a lamp! No? Okay. A little off topic there. I don't remember that one. Jonah Hill's like this Hollywood producer and he's got, you know, dark glasses and his cigar and he's just sitting there. We gotta get to the show, baby! Hurry it up, Liza! And Kristen Wiig is Eliza and she's just going, Okay! Let me just turn off this lamp! And it's like she just can't... Sorry. Um, okay. Alright. Uh, I don't... I think whitewash is not... I don't know. I mean, it's, is it more Hollywoodized? Of course it is, because it doesn't have this European aesthetic that um, that the original does. I mean, it's there. You know what I'm all talking about, and it's, yeah. you know, oh. deadpan uh, camera movements. Um, and not just the language, obviously, but there's some very striking aesthetics in it, that, uh, like uh, the interior design of the hotel, um, the placement of... Um, uh, they, there's some very deliberate placing of characters within the frame, and although the the uh, the, the remake is indeed Hollywood, I mean, come on, it's got Al Pacino. There's like four uh, acting Oscars uh, among the cast between Hilary Swank, Robin Williams, and Al Pacino. And I mean, go, look at go, Godfather. You could say that's a part of the golden age of Hollywood when Hollywood still had some teeth. Absolutely. But, I mean, his arc in that movie is turning into a villain. Well, that's a confusing statement. In what way? The, the Godfather 
thing. Uh, that was a little bit confusing because um, because you said it was like you would you just describe it as, as sort of like the last vestiges of the golden era of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it that. Um, I would say that the golden era had ended. They had, and then the uh, the indie thing was already taking over late sixties, early seventies, and I would say Godfather is more the a golden example of the indie phase that um, that American f- filmmaking was going through at that period. That's what I would say. Yeah, some people would call it like the beginning of New Hollywood, but I think that New Hollywood, like I, that, I, I, w- I would be more in line with that line of thinking. But that new Hollywood only exists in the 70s. That's why I kind of included it as kind of a vestige of the older era. The 80s and 90s onward, it became its own thing. Mm-hmm. You're thinking of things like Taxi Driver and Serpico? No. Well, all those things were like the glorious indies oh. of... Uh, well, even though uh, those are studio pictures. Oh, indie, I mean. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, they were that <laughs> aesthetic of the glorious indies of the 70s. Uh Mm-hmm. But I think uh, Godfather was like an an elevated version of those of those indie movies of, of that time period. I suppose, yeah. Like it, it was like it was like an indie. It was part of that indie ilk, but it it could masquerade as a legit Hollywood movie um, because of how well it was done. And, and then Jaws and Star Star Wars came along and blew all that shit out of the water. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, Spielberg. Goddamn. But but Pacino back then would be okay playing a character who was, you know, didn't eventually become a hero. I mean, you go through The Godfather and it's just a, like, stair step down into, so you know. So what you're saying is in his elder years that he was fixated on, on being, like, I don't know, for lack of a better, like, center of attention or like, or, like, the focal point, I guess? Is that what you're trying to say? I think in his older years he just didn't have the stomach to play a character like the Stellan Skarsgård character. I honestly don't know. Like, we introduced this whole... We introduced this whole plot of the internal affairs, which, another... That trope of uh, internal affairs being the big villain. And they even play into it, too, because his fuck-up of, you know, planting evidence for a child murder, it's like, <laughs> still internal affairs is like, oh, you're tying the hands against, you know, the bad guys out there. Right, right. Which I never really liked that trope. Oh, okay. But now that you're... So, even in his darkest moment, he was still, like, doing it for good purposes, you know? But their interests may have collided on that aspect. I mean, Nolan and uh, Pacino, to do that with that character. Um, Because uh, a smarter person I I read, or someone who came up with this idea before me, and I read, I go, oh, God, that makes sense. Um, (laughs) uh, Because there's, like, a lineage... Uh, of um, some some Nolan protagonists, uh, like um, okay, so it's this thing that someone pointed out where it's um, like lying for the greater good or trying to deceive for the greater good, and that's what was going mm-hmm. on in Memento with the uh, protagonist in that mm-hmm. movie. Um, he was sort of like convincing himself of a lie as as a just justification to get to some means. Um, um, and to justify his actions in, in the end or beginning of the movie, however you want to look at it. And then this person talked about how Al Pacino's character and what, and what he's dealing with in this movie um, is an extension of that or a continuation of that theme, which then gets continued into the Batman movies with um, mm-hmm. 
with a little bit of Alfred and a little bit of um, uh, Commissioner Gordon because in the Batman movies they also tell lies or deceive people for the greater good. So it was this thing, I guess, that Nolan was doing for like multiple films in a row. So, you know, maybe their interests collided on, on that aspect of the character. Yeah, that's why I text you guys about the uh, Christopher Nolan version. I called him Hollywood Chris Nolan. Because I also assumed that he couldn't make a movie as dark as that original one. But knowing Pacino's kind of attitude... He didn't want to. He definitely didn't want to. Uh, I mean, not because he didn't want to go dark, but because he had his own ideas um, to get to his purpose of what he was trying to say in the movie. Um, So... So he, I mean, I, I say that because he very much kind of expressed that in the special features, which were pretty amazing uh, all around for the uh, the Blu-ray release of the Insomnia. There was there was a lot of interesting things in there. Um, also about the three lead actors, if you will, in, in that version, because they were so different in their styles and approaches. Um, and Nolan talks about in a good way, but that it was extremely difficult because Pacino and Robin Williams, their styles are completely opposite. Um, and <laughs> their method is completely opposite. And Hilary Swank's method is apparently was different too. So mm-hmm. I don't but Nolan speaks well of it, but he said that was definitely a thing that he had to, like, I don't know, deal with is not the right way to say it, but, but contend with. Because um, he said Pacino liked to be like methodical and rehearse and repeat, and Robin Williams was like no prep. Uh, oh, and like Pacino would like to hit it as quickly as possible, meaning getting the right take. Where Robin Williams was about no prep, spontaneity. Let's try out many different things uh, to see you know which take is best. So yeah, they're like just complete opposites. And then, I guess Hillary Swank was just like an all both of them because she was still up and coming and she was just like oh Hillary Swank says that the way her character is in the movie was kind of like how she was like in real life on the set um, hmm. during that movie yeah that's not too surprising <laughs> yeah I did kind of wonder if there'd be a clash of egos between Williams and uh, Pacino if there was they did they edited it out of the special features <laughs> oh yeah they don't of they don't allude to that ever However, there is there's a lot of Pacino talking directly to the documenters, uh, like the behind the scenes people. There's nothing with mm-hmm. Robin Williams, virtually. Uh, so I don't know what that yeah. means. Maybe they made all the stuff after he died. Oh, gee. <laughs> well, no, I mean it's. I, will, I, I can't remember. I can't remember what year. I can't remember what year um, he passed. I think it was uh, 2014. I think. Oh, Maybe late 2014. I will say though, like that was another thing that struck me when I was watching the new Insomnia again. Uh, just the first time Robin Williams is finally on screen, and uh, it's 51 minutes into the movie. The first time we actually he actually speaks, uh, it's like 47 minutes into the movie when we actually see his face and can tell it's Robin Williams. Um, but anyway, as soon as he was in the movie and acting and everything, oh my god, I had all these feelings of again like why is this guy not making movies why is he gone this is insane this guy is so good i was having all those kind of thoughts um with this movie mm-hmm. and it also came out the same year as uh uh that other one 10 hour photo or whatever two hour i can't remember how many hour photo but 
they both came one out hour the same year. Photo. One hour photo, they came out the same year. But yeah, I mean, I thought he was fantastic. I, I liked both of the actors and the way they were portrayed in their respective movies, The Killers. Um, mm. I, I don't... Ooh, I, uh, I guess I like the Robin Williams one a bit better, but I enjoyed both takes and uh, both actors' performances. I yeah, didn't... it's not... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you, you go ahead, Sean. You haven't been talking enough here. I've... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, bit. I'm pretty vanilla on this whole topic, uh, but it's okay because I enjoy vanilla. But uh, I don't know what that was supposed to mean. I'm, I'm so sorry. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's really hard not to like Robin Williams more because, number one, it's Robin Williams playing villain, and who doesn't like that? And number two, I mean, some of it may have been lost in translation in, in, in the original. Um, I'm glad I'm glad I watched the Nolan one now because I know <laughs> I, it turns out that 80% of the conversations about the Nolan version when we were supposed to be talking about the original version well you opened up even more by having watched watched it because otherwise I, I wouldn't steer so yeah. much into it that's that's why I hinted at Sean that maybe you should because I knew that me and Eric would be going about Nolan because we kind of have a little bit of a clash of uh opinions on him but i kind of thought either version um well no no i thought sean may like either version of the movie i thought it, either version may have been up his alley a bit uh and then caleb i was certain you would like the european <laughs> version more uh that's what i anticipated and just to uh give in to my uh apparently stereotype with eric I preferred the uh, <laughs> Swedish version of the murderer. Um, it's not to say I dislike the Robin Williams one. I think that was the best part of that that movie. But there was such a kind of assured nature to the Swedish one. Like he didn't seem shaken at whatsoever by his actions. That's true. He felt totally like it was a mistake. You know, it happened, and that's just what it is. I agree. And the Robin Williams one had that attitude as well. But Williams played it a little bit more shakily than I think the character presented himself as. Well, here's the thing, too, comparing the killers. Initially, I felt like if I had any sympathy for the killer, it was more in the first one. Um, but hold on. I mean, I'll amend that in a moment. Uh, and I thought I could almost uh, not sympathize with the guy. Like, oh, he didn't mean to do it. Like, it was an accident whatever it was with Rod Williams. No, I didn't really have that kind of sympathy because he, he, the first one didn't really seem like he enjoyed it, like what had happened, but mm. the Rod Williams sort of did seem like he did enjoy it uh, after the fact. Now, my asterisk on the first guy is that I guess the first time I watched it, um, I must have been like on my phone just during the opening credits and I wasn't paying attention to all the, the smash cuts during the opening credits. But then today... Oh, yeah, that was weird. So then today I was re-watching the beginning, and I did watch the opening credits, and I was like, fuck this guy. What the fuck is he doing? I mean, like, yeah. banging her against the wall, and all that. And then I was like, all right, never mind. I take back my sympathy, because that's <laughs> ridiculous. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that, that shocked me in the beginning. I'm like, whoa, what is this? Is this a Nine Inch Nails video or something? <laughs> and he, it looks like he hits her against the wall, and there's a nail there, yes. and the nail stabs her in the back of the head or something. Yes, yes. And uh, 
Uh, okay, I have a, I have a confession. I have a, I have a coven confession confession to make. So I watched the uh, remake, the American version, right before we started recording. And okay, first, now let me go back to the other day when I watched the original. I was up since four thirty in the morning, not by not on purpose, but sometimes I do this, or I'll wake up and I can't go back to sleep and. Um, I was just, my head was in a bad place. I maybe, to be true to the film, I probably should have watched it again. And then tonight, when I watched the Nolan version, the American version, about 45 minutes in, I started to feel sleepy. And like an idiot, I put a pillow on the floor and laid down on the pillow and fell asleep and missed about a third of the movie. Okay, so... I, I don't think it's fair. I mean, I want to do like full uh, full disclosure. I, I woke up right at the t- at the part with when they're having the showdown, the shootout, which of course is not in the original because we have to have guns in a shootout because you know Hollywood. But I'm not complaining about it either. It wasn't that bad. Um, I I found it interesting that the choice to kill Pacino off was interesting. I, I didn't see that coming. I thought you know when Hillary Swank Ellie her name is Ellie. When she says something like it's, it's okay, you know, nobody has to know, and you're all right, and all that, and I'm like, I'm totally with her. Yeah, she's not going to tell anybody. This is her fucking hero, and you know what he did wasn't that bad. He killed somebody that he wanted dead, but uh, it was it was an accident. It was purely an accident. Um, where am I going with this? Yeah, so killing him, I thought was an interesting choice, and I'm not saying that I, I I think that. Uh, Killing him would 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 make me feel better because then, if he was alive, Ellie would have to go and like live this lie that she really knew what happened, and you know it would be so unprofessional for her and unethical. And she was an extremely professional and ethical police officer, unlike you know the others in this in this movie. So. Unless I miss something. Yes, and that's why Pacino says. Yep. And that's why Pacino says what he says is his dying words. Yeah, like, don't make the same mistake I did. Yeah, stay straight, basically. Yeah, because he says, like, because once you mess up, like, you can never go back, which happened to both him and Robert Williams. Yeah, yeah. And I'll just say, the scene where we saw him plant the evidence, I knew they were going to have to kill him. Even though I was like, oh, I, like, they've hedged their bets, like, most people would look at this and be like, oh, it was totally reasonable to plant this evidence. I still knew they'd have to kill him for it. So I was like, this is a Hollywood picture. Which evidence are you talking about? Because uh, there's all the different evidence being planted. Uh, once he planted it, like his original offense, planting it for the uh, child murder. Like when we see that flashback when he confesses to the, uh, whatever that chick's name was, um, the uh, hotel person. Wait, okay, hold on. I'm completely lost. Which movie and... and... Uh, talk about the Nolan version. Okay, the, Nolan, the first time he plants the evidence. So which evidence are we talking about? Like, what is the evidence? I meant his initial evidence planting, the one that gave him the guilt that he's been living with. The one in L.A.? Planting it for the, uh, was it Dobbs? The, uh, the child murderer that he planted in blood? The L.A., so the L.A. situation. That one you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, okay, gotcha. I was completely lost. Yeah, during that confession scene, I was like, oh, there's no way he's going to be alive by the end of this Okay, movie. I got you. Watching that scene. <laughs> there's so much planting of evidence. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You know what we, you know... You know what we missed, though? We did miss something, and that's uh, Al Pacino fingering an underage girl in the car. I I, uh, I was like, where's that part? Where, where do I get to see that? Well, see, that's what shocked me when I was watching the European version, because 
I was like, what is going on here? Like in this car ride, you know, when she puts her leg against uh, his hand and everything. And then they start going there. Oh. And then, like I said, it had been 10 years since it's in the Nolan. And I was like, wait a second. Was this in the Nolan version? Like, I don't remember. And I was like, was it there? And I, yeah. I didn't see it. Or so I, I was really thrown. I, and I did not see that angle coming. Yeah, but we got to talk about that scene. That was a crazy ass scene. Like, was it just that he was so lost in like his delirium from lack of sleep, or is this guy like a fucking like underage rapist? I mean, I didn't know what this is that guy. I mean, he's a fucking creep to his core. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say I think that European filmmakers, especially you know, especially of that era, have a very very unique perspective of sex in film. Yes, I, I think so. The p y'all ever see the piano teacher? I've not seen that one, but I'm. I've seen many oh, porns with that title, but I haven't seen like, an actual <laughs> film. Oh boy, that's a great example. Oh, and I was gonna say ten minutes ago. In contrast to Pacino's death in that version, by contrast, we have Skarsgård with like the glowing devil eyes. <laughs> like at the end, oh shit! I didn't see that coming either, and I was like, oh. Oh yes, that's right. Yes. Lord. Like, is there gonna be a sequel? And now he's gonna like carry on his wanton destruction like this is just his origin story no it's wait i have to go back <laughs> it's wanton destruction I not say, wanton I know, destruction you corrected me before <laughs> it's one of those things that you always read but never said out loud <laughs> he's traveling throughout the he's traveling throughout the nation eating nothing but wanton soup at chinese restaurants <laughs> yes yes that's not the first time shots call me out on that I, for since high school, I've been calling them wanton women. Uh, like I, I'm not, I'm not. It's not a joke. I've been saying that since high school. But um, oh yeah, the scene in the car with that with that girl. Yeah. You're like, what? What do you guys think happened there? Like, what do you mean? What do we think happened? Because there was also that scene initially when he was doing the autopsy with um, was it Tanya? Was that the name of the girl who was murdered? Uh, in the Nolan one, it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was the same in both. Yeah, but like he was like clearly like checking out her body, and he like looked at her face with this like look of like, oh my god, she was so beautiful. I wasn't picking up the creep vibes during the autopsy. I didn't initially either. It wasn't until my second viewing, but the scene in the car with that girl, it was like, boy, oh boy. <laughs> um, but, yeah. But I, you said what was he doing? I mean. It's, it all seemed very self There was no mystery, as far as I could tell, during the car scene. Or do you mean, what was he doing? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, did he lose control because of the lack of sleep? Or is this guy just that much but creep? No, 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 no. Hold on. No. No, no I don't think so. Uh, so, so his character in the movie um, was originally from Sweden, but he had been policing in, in Norway for a while. So, do you guys know why his character went to Nor left Sweden and went to Norway? No. No. Okay. Because he was, while uh, on one of his cases in Sweden, um, he uh, he had he had sexual relations for a key witness in a, in a case, and when it was discovered, oh, it was like a scandal or whatever, and so he sort of like left Sweden and went to Norway. To kind of get away from all that. Wait, 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 wait. What, what, what? When was this explained in the movie? It was during the autopsy scene. There you go. 
I remember them talking about him being like the chief inspector. Oh, like, yes, that's right. He's eavesdropping on them. That's right. Oh, I forgot about that. And he just kind of grinned. I was like, uh, so that establishes he already has these sexual proclivities. He already has that issue going in, and then we mm-hmm. see it again. We the scene that I didn't see that was more disconcerting in a way was when he got with the uh, the innkeeper. Yes. Like holy shit. That's another one where I didn't know if he like just lost it because of his lack of sleep or if he was just a big asshole. I mean, I guess by the end of it he's just a big fucking asshole. So, I mean, the guy You know, he's he's kind of like Jack Nicholson's character in The Shining. Like the minute he walks on screen, you think there's something wrong with him. But then there's some other factor that basically drives him over the edge. And in Jack Nicholson's case, it's the haunted hotel or and then in his case, it's the lack of sleep, the insomnia. That's what I. That's what I. Think. Another reviewer uh, pointed out that in the European version, um, the detective character doesn't show any signs of insomnia until his partner is killed. Whereas in the Nolan version, he has the insomnia issues throughout, like from beginning to end. <laughs> what? Just rewatching it, that reviewer is actually wrong. Okay. <laughs> Before the day when they when he when he kills his partner. We see him trying to sleep and the light keeps coming in and he like tries to close with blinds, but yeah. it doesn't work. Okay, no, that could be true, but uh, they were, I think they were saying that like, but it wasn't affecting his character, you know, when he was out in the boot. Um, so, I mean, I think both could be true, possibly. I don't think that's, I don't think that's true either. Wow. Because we saw him go too far with the witness, uh, Randy. When he's trying to interview Randy... He just gets fed up with him not answering his questions correctly, and he grabs him and, like, starts squeezing his arm, and his partner has to, like, get him off him. So I think he was already starting to crack. And it's interesting, in the Nolan version, in the Nolan version, in the special features, uh, uh, and, see, Nolan, in more recent times, is known for not fully explaining details in his movies intentionally, Mm -hmm. Um, but in the special features for Insomnia, he explains everything. Uh, He doesn't, he's not holding back. (laughs) Like, like, like his, his internal designs, mental designs. Uh, and mm. from Nolan's mouth, he points out that um, many times when Pacino's character blows up, like in those types of situations, um, and starts like aggressing the, the witness or whatever, according to Nolan, uh, it's half act, half real, but it's more act on his character's part, Pacino. He's saying that Pacino's character is strategically... Um, being like over abusive when he does, um, because he said he says that uh, Pacino's character—it's um, a calculated move as like a, a misdirect. Um, like he uses it to hide other things from like the other detectives and and everyone else. So, so according to Nolan, um, it's not the character just having his emotions. He's doing it by design because he's trying to um, distract the other. Uh, cops and detectives from other things that he's got going on. Yeah, it's like when Columbo would go after any sort of uh, woman who kind of attached to the murder. You get her alone, just go off on mm-hmm. her. <laughs> well, it only happened once. And then he obviously did it. And then he obviously did it to to his to his um, to his benefit when he wanted to leave the station. Remember, because he wanted to try to get the evidence or or make sure it wasn't there or put it, or whatever before the detectives got the warrant. 
And they're like, no, you can't go. Oh. Like, you know, we need to talk about whatever. So then he 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 manufactures like a like a um, a fit, like losing his shit. And they're like, all right, man, you know, get out of here. You know, let's go take a break. But he does that intentionally so he can get out of the police station and, and go off to the mm. apartment. Just want a big uh, big nod out to um, Pacino's um, "I Can't Sleep" acting, <laughs> uh, which. Is the you know just at one point he's like, oh, oh, like dude, are you like dying from the plague or are you like what's the matter? And apparently you you know you know what's a perfect cure for insomnia? Gum, gum, ladies and gentlemen. Oh yeah, when he had that big. Well, leg. he said that as a joke. He said that as a joke, like a wink to the audience. I felt during that car scene. So if you if you have insomnia. Uh, what you do is you put the covers over you and you stick one leg outside the covers and leave the other leg um, inside under the covers and that will make you go to sleep unless you've got other lining psychological issues. So just want to point that out to... In both versions, I was shocked they didn't have just blackout curtains in the hotel. I was like, this seems like a big fuck up. Yeah, really? Well, they, they probably do in real life. Letter to the management. Because nowadays, all practically all modern American hotels have blackout curtains. Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly mention this. I did appreciate in the Nolan version that they very early on established that there was no darkness where they were going. In the Swedish version, I was very confused for part of it. Maybe the first, like, 20 minutes, I was like, well, like, why is it always daytime? Like, what's going on? And then I realized, oh, wait, it's one of those places in the world where... Yeah, just like there's no night for a couple months. Right. I, I don't think they ever said it initially. I can't remember the original. Yes, uh, they the, the they mentioned it on the plane, the land of the midnight sun. Which, if you hear that, and it, usually that refers to Alaska in my head, but I mean obviously this it refers to the. And I I wanted to look into the geography of that, but I didn't have the time because you know there's work and alcohol and all that. It's they just describe it. Oh, I mean in Wikipedia. It's a, it's a Norwegian city that's within the Arctic Circle. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, which BC is too. I mean, BC ex- extends all the way to the Arctic Circle. Crazy enough. <laughs> well, it is so long. I mean, yeah. And I was actually going to mention, Eric. You mentioned earlier that you uh, found out it was in Canada. Yes. I could tell just by random bit players in the background. Really? I was like, oh, I know they're a BC resident. I know that person's a BC resident. Wait a minute. So I just knew just because they were present in it. <laughs> so wait a minute. You know some of these people? You've seen them on the street? Or you? Did they? is there a certain look? I don't think. I think some of them. I have seen some of them on the street. I have seen some okay. of them on the street. Wait, yeah. literally? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, what? people just... And there's... There's sets all the time everywhere in BC, so you can just like drive by and like, oh hey, look, there's filming over there, and then you see people. I on get it. that, but still, the movie was like a ninety-seven. Oh no, I'm sorry, two thousand two. Oh yeah, yeah. There was that uh, that one girl. Oh my god, this is weird. Uh, who Pacino was in the car with? Yeah, I've seen her around, and and she's in a whole bunch of BC stuff. Yeah, you just see. You know, I would be chatting these people up. I mean, trying not to disturb yeah, them, I, but I'd be like, are you serious? No, I. Jeez. I could never go up to them. Oh, I would. <laughs> I would. And, and they'd probably be flattered because they're just background actors. And back, you know. Jeez. There was a substitute teacher at my high school um, that was in movies like that. And he was famously in a, in a long panning shot in Home Alone in the airplane. Oh. And so I'm like, Ma, come here, look. This guy, he works at my school. I know him. Of course, I didn't really know him that much. Supposedly, <laughs> my dad is in the Selena movie. 
um, during a crowd scene. Yeah, we should probably get... I mean, we've been getting off this... I know we don't really have a ton to say about these movies, but... <laughs> well, I, I, again, yeah, I, thought, uh, I thought both of you would like at least one of them uh, quite a lot, whichever one it would be. Uh, I'm a bit surprised by that. Um, I certainly like the Swedish version, just it didn't impress me like a ton, but I definitely liked it. I mean, there's a lot of interesting ideas in both, or the original story, if you, you know... Um, I do ha- like how it is, like a uh, a, a new, a, a fresh take on the noir genre, and, it, and it's interesting. Yep. That it is, it's it's the opposite while still being it at the same time. I mean, because of the lightness, uh, I think it's an interesting aspect. Um, and the more I think about it, I kind of alluded to this earlier because of the glowing eyes. But now that I think about it, it so feels like. <laughs> those i guess they're british um series um like like those british series those british mystery series there's different ones um where the episodes are like an hour hour 15 long and they come out with like three a year and they go on for like 20 years this feels like it would be the pilot mm. episode for the scars Prime suspect yeah and he would just keep going place to place doing weird dubious things like this this feels like the first of a series to me but and the, the aesthetic is very much like a a european um you know drama series i agree 100 percent um i want to watch um both movies again i probably won't because of time and work and alcohol <laughs> and podcasts but um, I'm watching the original while we're while we've been talking, and I'm totally digging Skarsgård's whole like emo, yeah. like never ever blink, yes. just like I'm pretty much. A, I I want to see this remade <laughs> with Matt Smith in the role. Oh wow, <laughs> man! Like huh. man, I feel like Matt Smith could be the killer or the detective. Oh, <gasps> he could be the killer. I love that. <laughs> no, have him be the detective, but the Skarsgård version, where he's basically just as bad. I, I think he could be either. Uh, but I got a comment. I mean, I've always thought that Stellan Skarsgård had a certain attraction to him, but it never quite solidified until this movie. Like, there's something just hot about bad boy Skarsgård. But he's played that weird, <laughs> unblinking character, and like in in other things, but it just works. Mm-hmm perfectly it fits perfectly in this particular one you know his standout role of course is a uh, deep blue sea <laughs> in which he plays this same year i think no it was two years afterwards actually he he was born in this this is going to be really ignorant what i'm about to say he was born in sweden correct he's he's actually swedish mm-hmm. um and then he moved to he moved here to make like hollywood movies like deep blue sea and goodwill hunting uh, Goodwill Hunting was the first year. And I'm going to say something really ignorant. Um, but you see it all the time with British actors. But as, being when he speaks English in an American movie, I, I can't even tell that he's Swedish. Yes, I did he not know that. He hides his accent so much. Yes, I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that until, until, yeah, yeah. until late. Into, yeah, but uh, Sean needs to go see him in the Thor movie. Uh, uh, in Avengers. Well, see, I'm not going to see that. I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to see it. The, the Thor movies are the, some of the worst of the MCU. So you're not missing. Ah, the first one's okay. The I don't want to one, sit through this conversation. The bad. The third one's fucking amazing. Um, Eric, do we do we see his naked ass in the sequel? That's mm. not gonna make me watch it. I haven't seen his naked. I mean, not his ass. I haven't seen the sequel to um, 
to Thor in a long, long time. That's the one. I, that's the MCU movie I've seen the least. But I don't hate it like everybody else does. But true, I haven't seen it. I mean, and of course, there's Christopher Eccleston in that one. I think one. they blurred out sadly. Yeah, Eccleston's also wasted. They might as well blur <laughs> him out too. Um, I like the tagline for the European version. Um, what was it? Or the tagline like on the uh, "He who sins does not sleep." I think that was pretty good. Um, then some that is interesting, but. Yeah, it's better than the English tagline. I do think it's an interesting comparison between the two movies that in the the Norway one, Norwegian one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, basically him and the murderer are on this level playing field. Yes. They're both kind of villainous. It's even arguable whether Skarsgård is the worst villain between the two of them. Yeah, I agree. But in the American one, at least by the climax, I mean, it's so clear that I mean, it almost feels like Robin Williams turns to a different character in the climax. Like, I know Pacino says, like, oh, this guy's definitely going to murder again. But while Robin Williams is, like, talking about what happened, it doesn't seem like this is something he's going to repeat. But then immediately, once he has um, Hilary Swank alone, he's like, okay, here's another person I can murder. So it's kind of like, eh, it almost feels like we're just, this is a third act and we need to spiral off into something so let's just kind of fuck things up and I, I hear what you're saying i mean i don't i don't feel that way about it but i mean but what you're saying is valid at the same time um also so yes everyone knows i love nolan to death uh and <laughs> and you know certainly insomnia was the film of his that i'd revisit the least um and especially of his quote-unquote studio pictures i always consider it the weakest and 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 you know nolan is known for his auteurish touch and i always felt insomnia lacked that the most i almost almost would think of it as like his spartacus like kubrick's spartacus and how it i mean well that's a good movie but it stands out uh within his canon um, as so feeling like a studio picture compared to all of his other movies. And I always kind of thought of Insomnia as like that to Nolan. Nolan. Um, but I will say, after re-watching it yesterday, I I think more highly of it now. And I, maybe it's because I'm... Maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it feels more Nolan-esque to me in a good way, more than it ever did before. And uh, I appreciate it more. I liked it more. Or... This is how I think about it now, um, and I really, I really do like it. And I do think, I, I, and it is Hollywoodized. Uh, there's no question in certain production values and things, and and uh, almost like a streamlining or mainstreaming of the the plot or um, making Careful. because because um, if if the American version was extremely similar to the European version. I don't think it would have garnered much audience um, in the U.S. or whatever or anywhere. Uh, but with, with, with not with what? Nolan's touch, it definitely. I mean, why are you laughing? It's, it's causing me to like lose my train of thought. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what you say wouldn't have wouldn't have attracted attention anywhere. The original did, and look at the fucking main character there. No, but look at its... That's one of the reasons I complain about Hollywood versions. Well, I don't think it attracted attention like those other famous foreign originals we were talking about earlier. I don't think the original Insomnia did that. And I don't... don't... It got a... It got a U.S. remake five years later. I mean... Yes, it did. I mean, yeah, of course. 
but I mean, it didn't. It wasn't like this renowned um, indie pick. It didn't do anything considerable at the block box office. Um, and and Nolan turned it into a, a, a quasi blockbuster. Uh, there's no doubt. Uh, Warner Brothers definitely got their money back um, on the American version. But that being said, I don't think it's just a straight up mainstream um, remake. I don't. I don't think it is. I, again, I think it's better, and not just because of the production values. Uh, I just overall think it's... Wait, it is not in a straight-up American remake? It's like the same, except for maybe two or three points. No, no, I don't No, I don't think it's a straight-up American remake. I mean, no, I don't think it's a straight-up American remake, meaning like other American remakes. I think, okay. I think, okay. I, I think Nolan inserts uh, some of his... You know, this, this is the beginning of, of Nolan. Like I said earlier, of his, his aesthetic. There's more going on here. There's more written into the story that's psychologically interesting that a knockoff American director, like the remake, wouldn't have had any of that. Um, uh, for me, there's interesting things to think about uh, after the fact, after watching the American version. Um, See, what, what saves this movie from being just a bland, like, any sort of J-horror kind of knockoff where, like, they strip away all the interesting ideas and they just recycle the movie. The thing that switches this out is having some good performances and great production values. Like, Nolan just knows how to make a great-looking movie and a, a great-paced movie. I agree with that, but I, I feel like there's a little bit more than that as well. But I feel like the in, inherent, like, kind of um, discussion at the at the middle of the movie is just completely wiped away because it's... They just tie up all the loose ends. There's no real gray area. Like, did he really... I mean, he. I know at a certain point he says, like, oh, maybe I killed my partner, but maybe I didn't. But watch that scene. He didn't fucking know. He may think that maybe he knew, but he didn't know at the time. I mean, that's right. And even just... Oh, wait. Do you mean at the time he killed him or at the time when he's agonizing over it? The time that he killed him. And even his original uh, planting the evidence, obviously every audience member is going to be like well i mean he planted the evidence but it was a child murder and he knew it so i mean it's he he's well well he's also trying to protect himself if you're talking about the planting the evidence later in the movie and or you're talking about the one at the beginning no no the, the initial one the rest of it yeah it's certainly kind of gray but he's only doing it because he's really a good guy at the core you know that's the uh the lack of gray <laughs> Yeah, but you cannot do that stuff. I mean, I don't know. Cause, because I've worked in this line of work, um, I mean, like, security-related work for quite a number of years. I mean, you just can't... Like, if you... Because people do that in real life. I mean, things equivalent to that, like framing someone or, or setting them up because it's, like, for the greater good. But you can't... At least working in that kind of industry, you cannot respect somebody at all uh, as soon as you learn that they've really done something like that. But it, it changes it all because they shade him as initially a good guy. Mm -hmm. Like, he, he may have made some wrong choices to get to the right decision, but ultimately he's still a good guy who did it all for the right reasons. And yeah, at the end, he may have made some mistakes, but... I, I just want to I just want to say I think a better version of this type of character progression is there there's another movie that I think may have came out around the same time, and it's called A Simple Plan where we have good people that are doing bad things and it gets worse and worse and progressively worse for them. 
in this, he does something bad, then he has to do something worse to cover that up. But you don't really understand because there's this whole backstory that you learn halfway through. And, it, you know, it, uh, um, I don't like that, uh, you know, aspect of it. In a simple plan, you know, do y'all, have y'all seen this? I'm aware of it, guys but I haven't that, seen it. These three guys go out. These three guys go out hunting. It's Billy Bob Thornton, um, who was the guy that died? That's in Aliens. Roger Bill, Bill Paxton, this third guy. They go out hunting in the middle of, I don't know. It's cold. It's there's snow. Minnesota. They find a, a, a wreck, a small wrecked airplane that's filled with like ten million dollars of cash. Okay, so they're like, well, what are we gonna do? You know, this is probably drug money. Should we take it home? And Billy Bob Thorne isn't too bright. He's kind of, he's really special needs. And he says some things, and Bill Paxson is his brother, so Bill Paxson has to cover up for him. And then the third guy has his own plans of what to do with the money. And we've got all, and they end up telling one lie after another, after another, and then they end up having to do something bad to cover each, cover up each subsequent lie. And I saw a little bit of this here, but... I think it was done better with a simple plan. Directed by Sam Raimi, by the way. I, I do want to see it, and it sounds so much like also like what compels like a lot of the Fargo series. Um, yes, yes, it is very. Uh, is, uh, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And that stuff is fun uh, to watch um, play out. Um, oh, uh, so quiz time. So, what what would have been the motivation for Pacino's character oh. to kill his partner? What would have been his mother? Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, wait, no, I have to do the quiz time music. <laughs> quiz time. <laughs> Very well done, thank you. So, in 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 the in the confines of the story, what was his motive? What would have been his motive motive to kill his partner if he had done it intentionally? You're talking about the American one. Yes. Um, well, just I mean, he had that whole awkward restaurant exchange where he was like pissed at him, like. Yes. How dare you go to internal affairs? Like those guys are totally like against us. Good cops, you know. Maybe we blur the lines sometimes, but internal affairs, like fuck them, they're the enemy. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's that's what I call the Columbo intro. Like, okay, now we've set it up. Yeah. Now the murder's gonna happen. Yes. Yeah, so so he had planted that evidence in L.A. on that other case, um, and then the the D, not the D eight internal affairs is, is looking into all this stuff. And they were coming at his partner, and basically they're gonna flip his partner for immunity, um, and yeah, and that's probably what his partner was gonna do, was give up the goods on Pacino wow. for immunity. Just saying, because uh, you guys said earlier that you weren't sure, or maybe Sean wasn't sure, um, what that. Was it wasn't about. clear, I, and I, I also I, I slept through the part where he con- he confesses it to Hillary Swank. Yes. Uh, so, but even even during the scene where he kills him, I mean the way it's filmed, it's clear that he doesn't quite notice. No, he doesn't know. I don't think he knows in either version at all that he's no. uh, shooting his partner, and it's meant to be completely innocent, or you know, I mean, unintentional. That's what I really liked in the original. It was such a clear fuck up. All he had to do was admit it, but he's just such like an like maybe an egomaniac in a way. He's something. Yes. Like he just can't Yeah, he's something. Like just not a normal person. Yes, you're right. He just can't admit any mistake. Yes. And immediately switches into I gotta cover my bases at any means necessary. Yes. 
And he, the whole movie, he just takes it to the absolute extreme to cover up. For no real reason, that's... <laughs> and even though it seems so ridiculous, it actually worked on me in both versions. Uh, the part where, um, in the original, um, he's behind the door when the kids are having sex, and I'm just like, holy shit, is mm. he really going to be able to slip out? And then even though, you know, you know what's going to happen, I guess, when you're watching the, the remake, uh... I thought the same thing again. I, I was still like, I was still being uh, manipulated by the director, the filmmaker. Like, I still felt the tension both times when he was behind the door. Like, oh fuck, he's gonna get caught. How's he gonna get out? And then somehow, oh Dormer, you're here. I'm like, oh okay. By the way, Dor- Dormer <laughs> sounds like the Latin for dormir to sleep. But anyway, go on. <laughs> Heard that in one of the the extras. <laughs> <laughs> I know what dormir means. <laughs> But it, it's much more easy in the Nolan version. It's much more easy? You mean the door scene? The door scene, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess, but I don't know. He just literally just steps out at the right time. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of that scene from Four Weddings and a Funeral. Never Remember? seen the version. Okay. I own the British one. I've never seen it. I'm looking at it right now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's two versions of that movie? Yeah. The, didn't they make an American version? The remake like two years later or something? I don't know this, but I wouldn't be surprised this is true. Okay, well, Hugh Grant Hugh Grant is the lead in the one that came out in 1994. I remember it was nominated for Best Picture. Didn't have a fucking chance because, you know, Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction and Quiz Show and <laughs> The Shawshank Redemption. Wait, what, what, what movie did you say? Did you say Death in a Funeral or did you say Dinner at a Funeral? Four, four weddings oh, no, funeral. Four Weddings at a Funeral. Oh, oh, sorry. I, I heard completely different. This this wine is making me, uh, my ears. Uh... <laughs> you guys are nuts. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, there's a scene where he goes he goes to a wedding and the, the, the bride and groom, he, he goes to use the bathroom, I think, in a, in a room, and then the bride and groom come in there and they start going at it. And the bed, and he's like stuck in the room, but he's standing right there. But they're not noticing; they're not noticing him because they're so into it. And anyway, I'm sorry. I, I keep I keep changing the subject. It's okay. I'm I would be a terrible witness in a police. Department. The other thing I noticed Me for too. the first time uh, now with the rewatch of the Nolan Insomnia, um, which makes it like <laughs> makes me like it more now, is that because uh, we all know how Nolan likes to experiment with time in his movies. Um, and I saw, again, the early version of what he has been toying with continually through his most recent movie, which he has this obsession with um, manipulating scenes so that rising action happens simultaneously in different places in the film, different locations at the same time. Um, he does it a few times in the movie um, where characters in different locations are coming upon something and the music is starting to rise and da 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 and, and he's just building that simultaneous tension like what he does in Dunkirk like what he does in Interstellar like what he does in Tenet like what he does like basically in all his movies now uh, you can see the early version of him already doing it in this movie so again that's another reason why I'm in love with it because I just I see the through line of like his evolution of his own personal style it's so funny, Sean. I'm so glad I mentioned to you the, to watch this movie because I knew this was going to turn into a review of the the Nolan run. I was going to hold back. <laughs> I, I wasn't even going to watch it originally until Caleb said he was going to watch it, and I wasn't going to let him get away with that. I mean, not get away with it, 
but then he would start saying things and I wouldn't be able to respond because it wasn't fresh in my mind. I was going to so. try to hold back myself. <laughs> I was going to hold back, but once I heard that Sean seen, saw it, had seen it, game on. Game on. Okay. All right. To, but I, but I fell asleep. The... Oh, sorry, Sean. I keep talking over you today. And I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you you just talk softer than either one of us, especially <laughs> Eric. So you're like, well, I just have to... Eric's like, oh, Christopher Nolan, blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah. It's a continuation of, of a conversation that uh, me and Caleb had uh, without you in the prior. Yeah, we had like a little Nolan uh, war. Yes. We like discussed a whole bunch of his movies. <laughs> so so where is that? Where is a podcast of that? I want to see that on the podcast. Maybe. I know, Caleb. You should put that kind of stuff out. Um, that's the compelling It's coming. Stuff. Okay, well, I guess it was recorded. So, and then also... Uh, proto Nolan stuff. Uh, the score, uh, the score is done by somebody nobody knows uh, that he didn't work with again. But uh, Nolan likes that that swelling type of uh, soundtrack at certain points, and he does it in all his movies when he gets to like a climax and the music is like, and you even though it's a nobody composer in Insomnia. You can hear the template. It's like listening to the demo version of that, that uh-huh. that Nolan would basically tell Hans Zimmer to do uh, in in their future collaborations, which again changed the whole industry for better or for worse. Because then everyone started copying that. I'm just cutting in here for a brief note. So after this point, we kind of went off on a bunch of different random bunny trails for about like maybe like an hour and a half. Uh, which you can listen to in the Speakeasy bonus number 24, which should be out the following Friday after this episode's released. So after this point, me and Sean at least become much more drunk than we were throughout the whole rest of the show up to this point. So if you notice that we seem out of nowhere wildly drunk, that's uh, that's why. But anyway, <laughs> back to the show. But insomnia. I, 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 I'm going to rate, what's my unit of measure? So I can make sure I calibrate myself. Well, before you read it, do we do we feel like we covered everything? I mean, Sean, Eric, do you guys have anything more to say about the movie itself before we cover rate it? But no, I have, I have nothing to say. I thought the original. I, I thought I would like the original more, even though I like it just fine. I thought I would like it more, um, just because you know you go in with the uh, uh, the assumption that you know it caught somebody's eye in Hollywood, and generally. The foreign originals tend to be better, usually. Uh, so I just thought it would be better. I, I thought maybe it could be another experience like The Vanishing that really knocked my socks off. And it was perfectly good, but it didn't knock my socks off. Um, and like I said, I just have a better appreciation of the original now. And I feel like now in my own mind, it fits better in the Nolan canon. And I like, I like its progression in the Nolan canon. But that's because I'm just such a fanboy. Hmm. I understand. Uh, Sean, it's all right. Um, you know, I've I've explained before that the the circumstances in which I watched these movies was not ideal. I was really tired. Um, while we were discussing the movies, I was watching the um, the original version, and actually, literally watching Stella Stella Skarsgården acting, and I really liked it. Like, I really. This is why I mentioned him being a Columbo murderer, because he would be a perfect Columbo murderer. The man never blinks. I think I saw him blink twice. 
Um, he's almost, he almost looks like like Data or something from. Uh, but he's an asshole. He's I an asshole. I completely agree with everything Sean said about him. There's a scene that I forgot about where the the hotel lady she's got a box full of kittens, and you know what? I think I, I mean I'm a little biased because I've got four cats here, but if I see a box full of kittens, I'm gonna have to handle every single one of them. <laughs> and she's like, "Here's a box full of kittens." The mom died. And he he gives her one. I'm sorry, she gives him one. And he says something along the lines of, and again, with his stoic face that he doesn't change throughout most of the movie, he goes, I find them disgusting, what happened to their mother. <laughs> and I was actually, I'm like, all right, he, he already shot a nice little dog. What is he going to do with this kitchen? Is he going to crush the kitten in his hand? But instead, you know, she's like, oh, okay, kittens. Okay, you don't like kittens. I'll put it back. And then they make love against a wall of paper towels. Uh, and that's the part where I'm like, okay, um, yeah. Uh, this, this is the part where it's where it becomes like kind of European surrealist, uh, realistic to me, surrealistic. And uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, modern realist, I guess, because there's no way in the world that two people like this would make out in the back of a of a hotel Wait, that's room. Not, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I think that could happen. He gets too intense. Like he gets way too into it. Yes. And she's like, yes. get the fuck off me, like psycho. What the fuck? Jeez, I almost feel like I've experienced that in real life. But anyway. <laughs> oh, <no>. Okay. <laughs> oh, hey, I could have been the girl. I could have been the girl. Actually, <laughs> maybe I've been on both sides. I've been the girl before, actually, to be honest. Maybe I've been on both sides, but... Okay, so I guess it might be hot, you know... It's not. Making, you know, having sex in the office closet, basically, is what this is? It might be hot? That's up for debate? It's not. It's... Yeah, being in her position, it's like... No, I think it's... Okay, if if you subtract the part where the guy goes over the top, I think it's plenty hot. Yeah, that's that's fair. He goes like creepily intense, where he like starts like breathing. Yes, hard yes. Take that part out, then I think it's a pretty hot situation. Yeah, but it's still there, so that doesn't make it hot. I mean, I've had sex in my office before, but it was on a on a Saturday. Um, but I have too, but I was by myself. <laughs> that's not sex. But let's let's get what? Past what? Okay, next debate. Self sex is it? Sex so or not? you know. Um, Go ahead, Sean. Go on. <laughs> um, um, I'm gonna give this three stars for both movies. Um, didn't really, really love them. Didn't get attached to them, but they. I, I, I would like to go back again. Uh, not in this podcast, but actually, I probably won't ever. Maybe a year or six months from now, and That's watch fair. them again. Find out. Yeah. That's fair. I, I, if we're going with stars, I didn't give my stars yet, but I, I can use stars, um, even though there's no stars in the movie. Since it's always daytime, I'm gonna skip ahead in the line. Yeah, so I feel actually very similar to you, Sean. Um, I preferred the Swedish film, but only by like a sliver. The kind of amateurish production um, holds the movie back. I like that it takes some risks, mm-hmm. but it takes a little bit too much for risk. Where I feel like the main character is so alienating that it just makes the movie kind of unpleasant. Uh, I, I really like the murderer in the Swedish version, which kind of balances the uh, rating outwards. Like, I don't really like Al Pacino in the Christopher Nolan version, but I like Robin Williams 
And I really like how crazy and dark Selen Skarsgård is. Uh, but, yeah, overall the rest of the movie is just kind of mediocre. So, again, I'm, I'm right there with you, Sean. It's a 3 out of 5 for both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really wasted, so Eric, take over, because I'm fucking drunk. Alright, so, um... Uh, Skarsgård, his performance in the weird, like, um... Uh, uh, um the socially combative nature of his, he's like the the weird socially awkward or socially unacceptable detectives and other things except they're always good guys they're just irascible but he he's one of those except except he's just a, a douchebag which is interesting to put on top of, of of his personality or his persona um in the original it throws me a bit that the two high school kids um uh the 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 ex-boyfriend and then the ex-best friend how like when you see those two together with Skarsgård and the super serious female detective, they all look like they're the same age. Um, they all look like they're all mid-30s. And that's weird to me that the high school kids look like that. Um, and then uh, I actually, it's weird because I, I rate them both as four stars. Um, even though I think the Nolan version is is notably superior. I weirdly feel like they're both four stars because I still like the original plenty fine on its own. Uh, I'm glad I finally seen it. But um, I, yeah, I'll like the other one more. Um, with Rotten Tomatoes for 97, uh, with the critics, it got 95%, audience 77. The, um, the little blurb says, taut and chilly. Insomnia is a solid showcase for Stellan Skarsgård, uh, est- for Stellan Skarsgård's estimable acting, and a brilliant debut for director Eric Skoybjerg. And then um, for the 2002, a little bit lower, 92% with the critics, same audience, 77. Driven by Al Pacino and Robin Williams' performances, Insomnia is a smart and riveting psychological drama. Um, and the last thing I'll say, uh, I think, is I just thought it interesting and weird that in the special features for the Nolan insomnia, Nolan does a commentary for the whole movie, but the movie is spliced so that you watch it all in the order that it was filmed. Mm-hmm. You know how movies are not shot in sequence usually? Yeah. Yeah, I understand, but that's weird. They literally cut the entire movie so that the very first thing you see is the very first scene they shot on day one. And it continues through the whole movie. And it jumps all over the movie. But, and it's it's weird, and I'm not saying that any other commentary or special features should ever do that again. But what I found interesting is that you literally know this is the actor's first day on set. And... And then this is day two, and this is day three. And it, it's, it is interesting because even though the movie makes no sense in that order, because it jumps from beginning to end to middle, da 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 constantly. But you just imagine, well, for the actors, this is real time. You know what I mean? So you know what I mean? So they're just barely starting, but you just kind of have it in the back of your mind. Oh, they're on day 30 now. So, you know, I don't know. I've never seen anything like that. I had no idea that was on the special features. I never accessed it in 10 years. 
but that's something I don't know. It's something unique to watch a movie cut into chronological shooting order. So there you go. Oh, but there was one more thing I wanted to mention between these two movies. Yes, Lieutenant. <laughs> nice. Uh, but what what did you guys think about the two dueling uh, climaxes? Because the original one, it's more of like kind of an incidental climax. Mm. Anticlimactic. Like him and the murder of me. I, I don't really think so. I think it's a good climax in the original one. Oh, I didn't say it wasn't good. I just meant it was... It's like this whole thing, and it's as simple as he literally just falls through the planks. Yeah, but even their meetup, I mean, in the remake, their meetup is kind of heightened at like almost a George Lucas level where there's like three things going on. I'm yes. sorry, I'm so drunk. I can tell the way I'm talking right now. I'm super drunk. Yes. <laughs> I can't notice it. I don't notice it. There's uh, Rob Williams and... Um, uh, Miss Congeniality. What's her? Oh fuck! It's not even Miss Congeniality. Isn't that? Um, yeah, Sandra it's, Bullock? <laughs> yeah, Sandra Bullock. <laughs> but yeah, he decides to murder her. <laughs> <laughs> Stop I think it. it was filmed in San Antonio, or maybe it was the sequel filmed in San Antonio. But go on. Yeah, he, he decides decides to murder her, and what for whatever reason, um, Al Pacino is like, I gotta go back, and I gotta, you know, deal with this problem. For whatever contrived reason redemption and then redemption well I, he like us just like all of a sudden assumes that hillary swank is going there mm-hmm. like is that the sense you guys got and so then yeah it, i mean i think yes but i think there's more to it but i'd have to rewatch. um there, there was some connection that i'm just too lost in my booze haze to uh to remember mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah then it turns into like this big gunfight and I love in the original, the murderer and um, Stellan Skarsgård meet up. Their conflicting personalities just kind of turn on each other, where it turns to this fight and then eventually a chase, and then accidentally the murderer dies. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in the remake, it turns to this big, stupid fight where Al Pacino's like, I gotta admit my mistakes, and you gotta survive, and not make the same mistakes that I did, because I'm a fuck-up, and... And I was just like, oh, this feels so, like, kind of cheap in Hollywood. Okay. It's okay. I I, I, I actually, yeah, I, I don't agree with you there, Kelly. Um, I think that the, ori- the original just sort of, like, oozes the climax. The, the remake, like, it's the, the climax comes out in spurts. Because in the original, it I really like the idea that Oh, we had this confrontation. It reminds me of the ending of the French Connection, and it's not just because oh. it's in an abandoned building. Because there is no real, real, you know, confrontation. It's just like, okay, we're in this building. Oh, whoops! Oh, he drowned. Okay, all right. I don't have any really any problem with the. Uh, I'm the so glad man. you mentioned yeah. French Connection because I was thinking that the whole time watching oh, both go. movies, and I meant to bring it up during this conversation, and you just reminded me. Because that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, um, and I don't know if this is my well, what I'm about to say is wholly true or checks out. But like when we, when Sean and I were talking about French Connection, I was talking about how it was neo noir in a way. Um, uh, and yes, uh, yes. interestingly, I didn't even know that noir as a term of film genre 
was not even a thing in, until the early 70s. So they wouldn't even have called it neo-noir because noir wasn't even a genre term in American lexicon. Uh, did you guys know that? Fun fact. So like during the 40s and 50s, there was no such term as noir. Um, it was yeah. developed like in 68, 70. Anyway, they, they called them melodramas back then. And, uh, and, and when I was researching noir, uh, I didn't, I didn't know that noir was uh, inspired by the German uh, surrealist before it. I didn't know that. But anyway, that's not what I'm talking about now. Um, so when we were talking about French Connection, and I was describing it as neo-noir, because it was kind of bringing the genre back, like a hot boiler detective thing. And also we were talking about how the way they rough up like the bar patrons to get information. So like it's the old way of doing police work, mm-hmm. where there weren't really rules. And so seeing this movie again now, or both of them, and and um, the detectives' tactics that are so, like, you know, this is not the way you do things, but the ends justify the means. And I thought, oh, that's kind of cool, because this is like a neo-neo, post-neo-noir. Now, I don't know that is if that's truly true, because I don't know what other movies came out like this in the 80s and early 90s. But I, I was just having all those thoughts, and I was like, oh, yeah, there's, I, I feel a lot of parallels between this and French Connection. The original movie, the, the, the Swedish movie, um, or Norwegian, I can't remember, the 97 movie, is very reminiscent of a, uh, of a movie, a French movie called Les Samurai, which is just basically I uh, really want to see that film. movie. Yeah, it, it's it's a uh, you know a private detective, and he's going about, I can't remember, I can't remember whatever happens in this, but it's exactly like, like a noir movie from America, like um, the Maltese Falcon or Kiss Me Deadly, but it's set in, uh, I think, Paris. And you could just as well make it a a noir movie, but it is not noir. It is it is full color, no shadow, no, you know, no imitation. So, yeah, I still want to see that. I'm aware of it. Folks, he's not a samurai. It's just called Le Samurai. So, yeah, if. If Eric, if you want to cover that, I've got it on Blu-ray. I haven't seen it since they released the Blu-ray. So. I, it might be on the Criterion Channel. Not sure, but I totally want to see it. I've heard of it, and I'd love to see it. Um, but then also, the way I actually see uh, Caleb was just talking about the endings. I actually like both endings, um, and it is a bit mm-hmm. Hollywoodish to have the shootout. I, I agree, but I still. Yeah. But despite the, the Hollywoodish of the shooting, I still. And Sean said it way earlier. Like, I, I kind of like the resonance more of like the redemption and giving up his life, trying to save the Hillary Swank's character. I mean, figuratively saving her, not the actual saving her. Um, I actually think that's a better twist, despite the Hollywood shooting. And right. I like the way um, I personally like the way that Nolan injected the little action sequences if you want to call them that like the the log hopping frogger thing i thought that was really cool the first time i saw it and i still think it's cool um and i do like again i like both endings but i i I don't mind the action really or suspenseful action in the end of the uh the nolan version um and i also like it because like i mean it's just again i'm i have a hard on for nolan but he had these two indie movies. I know Caleb doesn't think much for Memento, but apparently hey. everyone loved Memento in Hollywood in, in when it came out. Me too. Because that's why Pacino 
that's why Pacino was so ready to be in this. By the way, uh, uh, Harrison Ford was considered first for the role. But anyway, um, Al Pacino so wanted to be in this movie because he'd seen Memento, thought it was brilliant, wanted to work with this guy. Robin Williams, same. Hilary Swank, same. Soderbergh, same. Uh, everyone thought like Memento was the greatest thing ever, apparently. Um, even Spielberg and um, yeah. um, um, what's his name? Taxi Driver. Uh, yeah, Scorsese. Scorsese. Uh, they all freaking loved Memento. So Nolan makes this interesting indie movie, Memento. Then he gets to do a Hollywood movie, which is this one. And then he takes the rather placid and straightforward foreign original and and just adds this whole style with this with the cinematography, which is so like the movie the original was like already a self-contained good story. Like you wouldn't expect those visuals, like the spectacle of like the the plane coming in and the logs, and then changing the setting of like the um, the rocky beach they call it where the cabin is, um, the first cabin. Uh, it's it's just incredible, and and somehow he, he I feel like he injects the action and it works and it makes the movie better overall. And it reminds me of like that's kind of what French Connection was. It was it was a noir, but then there's this crazy ass car scene, chase scene. Like whoa, like that's pretty cool to take the old genre and then inject something like that into it. And then of course this movie obviously got enough attention by Warner Brothers that he freaking gets signed on to do greatest uh, comic book trilogy ever by far with the whole Batman thing it, it, it uh, I don't know it blows this fanboy's mind when I think about the whole thing um, so fanboy indeed yeah uh, I think there's like three actors in this movie who were like in the Friday the 13th remake there's there's other bunches of actors who are nobodies in this movie who, who work together and other odd things like that uh, later all Canadians, all BCites. <laughs> I didn't know that. I've seen these people around. I mean, it's so weird. Caleb probably hangs out with Drake and all the other cast from uh, DeGrassi. Um, no, they're they're all from Toronto. Oh, I'm sorry. So yeah, uh, Insomnia needs to come out on 4K. It's it's the only uh, Nolan uh, Holly, uh, studio picture that's not on 4K. Um, also. Uh, when I, I watched it streaming wow. at first, because I because I own it streaming and on disc, and I was watching Nolan's streaming first, and I didn't know they um, they crop it so it takes up the full screen streaming. I don't know how you guys watched it. When you watch it on on disc, it's actually in its proper two three five uh, Cinescope, and I think it looks actually much better in Cinescope. And uh, if you didn't see it in that way, wait, following is in four K. No, not following. No, no. I said no, no. Oh, I, I said Insomnia is his only. I said it's the only Nolan Studio picture that's not important. Oh, oh I missed that part. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, it looks the movie looks better in its proper um, aspect ratio. Um, I will say as well. So it's, it's fantastic, greater than the sum of its parts. Well, catch us on the next time, guys. Peace.
But anyway, by, by the way, by the way, Eric, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I don't know. You interrupt Kill. If you're really interested in noir and not necessarily draw, watch Mank, and I think you would really like that movie. I wouldn't make the same recommendation to my mom, but watch Mank on. Uh, no, I, I am kind of interested to be honest. Uh, yeah, in general. you, you should anyway, check that out. Did you like that, Sean? I, I like I liked it more than I thought I would, um, but I, I like the. Uh, I'm so sorry, Eric. But yes, I like sorry. the, uh, <laughs> I like the the bits that they made about it with that made it look feel like you were watching in the theater, even though you're watching in your living room, which was not a, you know, it wasn't because it was made during COVID; it was made before COVID. But they also even have the cigarette burns in the in the right um, corner of the of the thing whenever the projector has to change the reel. Um, Gary Oldman did it. It's 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 a really well made movie, and I really like it. And if you you just have to pay attention. Oh, really? It's not a movie that you have to like play in the background. It's it's heavy in script and stuff. So 